With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother and Priest. Today is April 14th, 2018. And I want to bring this Sabbath day message about first resurrection Hebrew wake up call. This is a particular subject that is very sensitive. And I hope that this will answer some of the questions about why we as Hebrews, we as Aboriginal Israelites, we as the true children of Israel, why there is some division amongst us here in North America, why there are a bunch of different doctrines and This is really important if you are brand new to the faith and it's really important that for those of us who are seasoned that we be able to provide some type of insight and some type of parameter to those who are new to the faith so that they can come in with their eyes open but choosing properly the proper path and the proper um, teachings that they're looking for. When you first wake up, it's very enlightening. You get very excited and you want to join a particular uh, congregation or group. And it's important that you choose wisely and investigate to the best of your ability, investigate thoroughly the congregations, churches, groups, camps, or whatever you're joining or you want to join. I would say maybe I would suggest Choose wisely, but listen carefully to what I'm going to share with you. Hopefully this will help some of us that are in the faith for a while and some of us that are new as well. Let me give a a brief history and background about Israelites of the Hebrew faith arriving here in North America and what has taken place. The transatlantic slave trade did this. 
there were Israelites who were taken from the land of Israel and Judah to England and put in slavery. That would have been like after the war of 70 AD. There were many others who fled into Africa. There were some that had come to the Western Hemisphere before the one that is known as Christopher Columbus, who was actually Cristobal Colon. This term uh, colonizing, colonizer comes from the Colon family, which the one we call Christopher Columbus was actually, his name was Cristobal Colon. So there were people over here who were Israelites. Now, whether you understand or believe that or not, I'm not going to argue those points. Um, I just want you to focus on what I'm trying to share here. So we got people that are in Africa, on the west coast of Africa, and in parts of interiors of northwest Africa. We got other people that are in Spain. So we got people in Spain, in Africa, and in England, in Europe after the war of 70 AD. Now, I did a video. You can see it on our Facebook page, and it explains this a little more, but I want to sum some things up. So what, so what happened at the transatlantic slave trade was Slaves were taken from England, brought to um, South America and the surrounding island. Slaves were taken from the west coast of Africa, brought to North America. Slaves were taken from Spain and brought to North America. So there was the, these were the three main places, Spain, England, and the west coast of Africa were the three main places that slaves were bring, being brought to the Western Hemisphere. Now, once you understand that, and you understand that there were already Israelites here on, in this hemisphere, on this land, the aboriginals and the natives of the Western Hemisphere, some some of them were predominantly, they were actually Israelites, and there's tons of records to prove that. So you got four basic places where these slaves were, these Israelites were, and they ended up in one place, which would be the Americas, what we call the North, Central, South America, even Canada. Spain and England were in communication with one another. The rulers of Europe at this particular time, before the slave trade, during the time of King James and his predecessors, they 
were largely the tribe of Judah that was brought from Israel and Judah, the land, in slavery over to Europe. And then they rose up at a time and they became rulers of England and Scotland. Now, the ones that were in Spain, they fled into Africa. They went to Morocco, Mauritania, Algeria, um, those, those places, tribe of Judah. Some of well, most of them went over into Spain around 100 A.D. They became known as Moorish Jews. Now, Spain again was in communication with England, while other Judahites were ruling England and Scotland. So once once you get up to the time of King James, understand the Israelites, that tribe of Judah that were in Spain, they were considered to be sages. They were identified as Morenos or Moorish Jews. And they were considered to be spiritual sages. They were in communication with the rulers of England, and there was some type of conference or summit that was set up every year for their communication and it still goes on to this day actually I, I the name of it fails me at this moment but once the commissioning of printing the uh bible came about it was a lot of influence was coming from those israelites in spain so the two israelites uh, the two israelite areas of spain and england they understood that there were writings that were taking place during the time of the one who's become known as Jesus. Please don't let me using this name Jesus offend you, particularly if you're new or seasoned. I'm using this term so that we can all universally be able to understand because some people that are new to the faith they still want to hold on to some of those things, but so that we all understand, just understand that's why I'm using the term. Now, they knew that there were writings that were done with the disciples and with the Apostle Paul. These were letters and these were memoirs and journals. Those in Spain and those in England well, predominantly the ones in Spain, they understood that those were just writings that were letters, epistles, journals, memoir of their walk with the one that we refer to as Jesus. The world has become known as Jesus. Who has become known to the world as Jesus. The ones in Spain understood that. So when they're commissioning King James, or the talks are going on. I know the Council of Nicaea and all that was before, but I'm talking about this printing of this particular King James Version of the Bible. When they're commissioning him, they're saying, well, let, we want to add these writings 
um, these records also of this man that the world refers to as Jesus. Not in scripture. So that I make this clear, the actual real scriptures are only supposed to be the so-called Old Testament, the so-called New Testament, are letters, memoirs, and journals. They were never intended to be looked upon as actual scripture. That's important to know. I'm not saying that they are invalid. Um, there is a lot of different information that you will find out about those writings, and there is a lot of, you know, confusion about them. But I'm trying to sum it up so that it's easy to comprehend. All right, so these two particular groups knew of those writings because they were these particular lands. This was really just the tribe of Judah in England and in Spain. They knew of those writings because they were still present in Judah and in Israel before the war with the Romans in 66 AD. They were still present, so they knew that those writings had taken place. So when some of them were taken away to slavery into in, Europe and the other ones fled into Africa, remember these this same tribe, they knew, although they were in two different ends of the earth or two different places on the earth, they knew that those writings had taken place. Whereas many of those who fled into Africa, particularly on the west coast of Africa, did not actually remember or know. Uh, I'm just kind of sum it up for you. They didn't actually know where those writings would have been or if they were significant. And a lot of them um, just didn't regard them. So when those that went to the West Coast of Africa that, that did understand the difference, uh, well, those that went to the West Coast of Africa, they carried the said Old Testament with them as they rebuilt a kingdom centuries later. They rebuilt the kingdom after fleeing into Africa, West Coast. They rebuilt a kingdom of Judah near the west coast of Africa, which would have been the slave coast. So in that slave coast was the kingdom of Judah, and it was largely a lot of Benjamites. It was predominantly Benjamites. So part of them didn't know and didn't regard the said New Testament writings because, uh, remember, those were not considered scripture, so they were not being used in the kingdom of Judah necessarily as scripture. Only the said Old Testament was being used. And, of course, they being there in the west coast of Africa for centuries eventually just didn't get talked about any longer as far as the said New Testament. It just wasn't discussed and it wasn't used. 
So now you got those in Spain and in England who know of these new writings, and the ones in Spain are commissioning King James to put together a modernized Bible so that because they knew that our people had been scattered out through all the earth. So they wanted to put together a centralized uh, book so that we could get this out to multiple languages. That was one of their motivations. Get this out to multiple languages all over the world, but particularly in the English language, because we knew what was taking place uh, where some of our people were. That's a short summary of that. But what I want you to see is people in Spain, people in England and in Europe, they knew about these new writings. The, the, the Bible was put together and it had a new and old Testament. Okay. Now, again, the people on the West coast of Africa long forgot about dealing with those. They never thought of those as scriptures, so they only followed the said Old Testament. Then you had those who were in the Western Hemisphere who knew nothing at all, entirely nothing at all, about this said New Testament. Now, because our people were scattered out through all the earth during the transatlantic slave trade and brought to a centralized place here in the Western Hemisphere, what ended up happening was when we originally got here, we, we remembered who we were and what our practices are, and we met up with other brothers and sisters of ours that were here who remembered who we were and were practicing this. But as the Spaniards and as the conquistadors and all these people began to conquer over here in the Western Hemisphere and Cristobal Colon and the transatlantic slave trade was happening, what happened was we were coming from all these different parts of the earth, these mainly these few parts of the earth, and we had adopted different dialects of Hebrew. So we started speaking slightly different language uh, dialects of a centralized of our language. So if you understand that part of the history, now I'm going to show you where the modern-day division comes from. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. This is one of the most critical things that we must comprehend. You've heard this verse plenty of times, I'm sure. But the first thing I want to show you is that because we were coming from all of these different places, these different places in Spain, West Coast of Africa, several countries in the West Coast of Africa and the interior of Africa, and in Europe and in England, because we were coming from these different places and we meet up with Israelites over here and we were speaking different dialects of Hebrew. Now, the pronunciation of the name of the Lord, and the, of course, is going to be different than others. But what has happened is, 
First Timothy chapter four, verses one and two. Please, even if you don't attest to the uh, said New Testament, please just bear with me and listen carefully. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Some shall depart from the faith. Number one, when we got over here and we were speaking different dialects of Hebrew and some of us that lost the language and tried to relearn the language and we're learning particular dialects of Hebrew, now we meet up with our brothers and sisters and our pronunciations are different. So what has happened is some of us have taken the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Simply because vain, taking something in vain, means to use something for for uh, vanity purposes. So we use the name of the Lord, thy God, for the purpose of vanity, meaning, oh, my translation of the name is correct. My pronunciation of the name of the Lord is is correct. If you don't speak my pronunciation, you're wrong. So we've taken this name and the faith itself departed from the original faith, which told us don't take the name in vain. And had we stuck to the original faith, then we would meet one another and say, oh, his dialect is slightly different than mine. But that's my brother. He's keeping the faith. But instead, what some of us did is to take the names and the language and use these as tools of idol god worship for vanity purposes. Now, let me take you back to the land of Israel and Judah. During the time that the one we refer to as Jesus, that during the time that the one that the world refers to as Jesus was walking the earth. And I'm going to bring that up to date, and I want to show you something that I hope you can see, and that will give you a better understanding of what's going on and how you can avoid a lot of the misguidance that's out there. During the time that the one we refer to, that the world refers to as Jesus was walking the earth, there were three major sects of the Hebrew faith. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. Now understand, before the one the world refers to as Jesus proceeds forth with his mission, these three sects were already in that land, already well established. Now there is 
some evidence that points to Jesus being with one of these particular sects. Now, what are these sects? These are religious parties or schools. The Sadducees, Pharisees, and Essenes were religious parties or schools. All right? The other people, the other Israelites that were on the land that were not conversely dealing with one of these three parties, some of them have converted to the Roman religion. And some of them just kept what they could preserve from their culture and their faith as Hebrews. The Sadducees would have been considered formalists. The so-called Pharisees, excuse me, the Sadducees would have been considered free thinkers. The Pharisees would have been considered formalists, F-O-R-M-A. L-I-S-T-S. But the Essenes would have been considered purists. Now, what I mean by this is the Essenes were the ones that were keeping the purity of the original faith. So this is one of the reasons that the one we, the world refers to as Jesus was in fact interacting with them. That's important to know. Now, what I'm saying is that these scenes were purists, and you have to remember this. Three major sects during that time, Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, Jesus would have been dealing more so with the Essenes. So by the time it's time for him to go about his mission, he already knows that there are Sadducees and Pharisees out there. And he knows he's going to run into them. Now, let's fast forward to today's world. There are three major sects of Israel in North America today. Three major sects of Israelites. That's African Hebrew Israelites. That's Yahweh Hebrew Israelites. And that's UPK Hebrew Israelites. African Hebrew Israelites came via Ben Ami. And they went over to um, Israel back in, or they left America in 1967, I believe it was. Yahweh, Ben Yahweh, raised a sect of Hebrew Israelites that are the Yahweh Hebrew Israelites. He started like 1969, early 70s, around that area. 
at some point in the late 60s, one Abba Bivens started preaching, and he went on to that branch of Hebrew Israelites, which later, in modern terms, are referred to as the UPK, or we're going to refer to them as UPK Hebrew Israelites. Now, I want to show you something. Just like what was going on 2,000 years ago, there were three major sects in Israel. The same thing is going on today, where there are three major sects in Israel. And most of the Israelites come to the faith by way of one of these three factions. Now, this is happening before the presence of the Christ is to be here in America and made known. There are a bunch of Hebrews who are Israelites in North America who did not come to the faith by any of these three sects. Some of them are Old Testament Hebrews that do not acknowledge the New Testament. Obviously, those would be those who are already here in this hemisphere and those who have disregarded it, forgot about it, that were in the West Coast of Africa. Those were the ones who came over here already knowing that they were Israelites. And they didn't really have any knowledge of a so-called New Testament. There are plenty of Hebrews who are Israelites in North America who do understand that there is a New Testament, but they have forgotten that it was not supposed to be utilized as scripture, was not intended to be scripture, so they do identify with the said Old and New Testaments, and they're not a part of one of these three sects. Some of them have gone into the Christian church. Some of them actually have church congregations, and there are more Hebrews in America than you can probably ever imagine. There's probably just as many Hebrews than, as there are Christians, and you just wouldn't know it because once um, America took over, really fully and started to impart their Christianity, their Christian religion upon us all, some of those Hebrews just converted into churches but kept the same Hebraic practices. So they might be legally known as churches, but they're actually Hebrews by faith, and they're actually Israelites by nationality. So um, some of them got away from those teachings, but they're still around. There's a whole lot of them all over America. And again, we've met up with those of us who are also Israelites of the Hebrew faith. We were speaking different dialects, and then some of these groups started to say, well, you must worship my pronunciation. If you don't worship this pronunciation of the Lord's name, then you are lost. You're not in the truth, which is absolutely a departing from the original faith. Originally, we understood 
that even if we did speak different dialects, we understood what we were talking about by the Hebrew faith and our life customs and what have you. Now, I want to go back to the purists. The purists, the Essenes that were in Israel and Judah during the time of Jesus. And remember what I'm saying is many of the Jews, Judah, were taken in slavery to Europe and England. And at some point, they rose up in Europe and England and started to rule again and they took over England and Scotland, okay? So the bloodline of Judah is all over England and Scotland. They had dark faces, dark complexions, and they ruled England and Scotland. Now, what happened is one of the offspring descendants of that bloodline, Queen Elizabeth I, Once she got in office, she was trying to bring those purists who had been taken from slavery, she was trying to bring them and impart that into the government that that she was ruling over. And she was doing it. Then those teachings began to spread, and then there were some who became, came on to follow those purists, And they started to call themselves and identify as Puritans. But understand where it's coming from. It was the original Puritans, they were purists who were Israelites from that land, predominantly Essenes, who were taken into slavery and preserved. I mean, they were preserving the pure, raw faith the spirit, the thinking of the faith. So some of those same purists were brought over here in the slave trade. And then Puritans were modeling themselves after what they were learning from those purist Israelites. But Queen Elizabeth I Not this one now, this Elizabeth II is not related to the original Queen Elizabeth. She is no blood relationship. Anyhow, now that you have all these Israelites here on this hemisphere, I want to say to you, We're waking up by the masses. And it's exciting. But I'm going to tell you what is happening. Some of our people, a lot of our people are waking up only to become disenchanted with more idol God worship, more discord, more disunity. So this is causing a lot of people to lose hope some becoming severely and extremely discouraged, down, depressed, and disappointed. 
some of them getting misled and, and, and abused even. Some are deciding that they're just no longer on a fellowship with others. So they're just going home and fellowshipping alone and just to themselves. And some of them are just quitting the faith, leaving the faith altogether. Understand all these different mixtures of Israelites coming from all of these different places, these couple of different places on the earth, meeting up and starting to realize who they are again, trying to preserve their culture, still had remnants from other cultures that were superimposed upon them. Other cultures, when they were enslaved in these different countries, that they took on some of those traits. And as we got here, and we're speaking these different languages, we're speaking the same language but in different dialects, then we started to look at each other like something's wrong, and then they started to develop to, to, to bring some of that other stuff and place it into the doctrines. And so some of the people went astray from the original doctrine. Whether there were those who were purists and fundamentalists that were keeping the original faith. So that is the source of the confusion that's going on right now. There are a large amount of people that are people that are Israelites that are not coming out in the streets um, and preaching on the corners. They're not, they're not doing that. So if you didn't know that uh, some of these churches are actually Hebrew, you wouldn't even know that there were any other types of Hebrews other than the guys that's on the streets. So now if you came through one of these three major factions, African, Hebrew, Israelites, Yahweh Hebrew Israelites or UPK Hebrew Israelites, naturally there's going to be, you know, some disagreement there between the three. But listen to this again very carefully. First Timothy one, chapter four, verses one and two. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Hold that. So now they're seducing a whole lot of people seducing their spirits with what they have departed from the original faith and being. And then they've added into this doctrines of devils. Now, what are these doctrines of devils? Listen. The doctrines of devils are doctrines that are full of making everybody else outside of you a devil. 
if the entire doctrine is filled up with really the focus being making everybody outside of you a devil, these are doctrines of devils. And these doctrines of devils are being pushed upon the people and are seducing people, seducing those into attempting to wake up, seducing those into this first resurrection, which is us waking up to who we are again. And when was that to happen? In the latter times. And what were they doing? They're departing from the original faith. Verse 2 reads as follows, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So these doctrines of devils and these seducing spirits that have, that have deviated and departed from the original faith are being imparted upon people our people, and it, they have such seared consciousnesses that the people become disenchanted when they get into one of these um, false departed from the faith groups. I'm not speaking about any particular group. I'm not speaking about any particular sect. This is for you to review, for you to look at, and for you to determine what you will do with this information. But if you're going into something, believing it to be the truth, understanding and arriving at the understanding that this is the truth, and it is, we are truly the Israelites and we are truly the Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews. But yet, you're being fed Doctrines of devils that are making you hate everybody outside of you, and the ones that are teaching you this, their conscience is seared with a hot iron, so they don't even discern properly any longer what they're doing is making mischief and speaking lies and hypocrisies. And they start teaching this to the people, and they start mistreating and abusing and harming the people to the point where there are people that become disappointed discouraged, down, and depressed. Some people are leaving the faith and not even wanting to deal with their own people. Some people are going back into different worlds, following different paths, talking about now they're awake, they're conscious of this or that, but yet they don't want to deal with bodies of people because they feel like the bodies of people have ruined them and harmed them, and it's true. They've been led astray, mistreated, abused, mentally, physically, spiritually, and every other kind of way. And it's because there are many who have departed from the faith, who are seducing people with the idea of who you really are and with this being the truth about the, the scriptures. They seduce you into it and then they feed you doctrines of devils that makes everybody outside of them devilish. And if you don't follow this particular pronunciation, and if you don't follow this particular thing, then you are a devil. Even me reading the scripture some of you come from doctrines of devils 
that are going to take this and blame this on somebody else and not on what you're doing because you don't see it, but hopefully you can wake up. And this is a wake-up call. I'm going to read for you a definition of a particular religious party or school that was taking place 2,000 years ago when the one the world refers to as Jesus was walking the earth. Now, to understand this particular religious party or school is going to give you the understanding of the true spirit of the original purists that were preserving the purists of 2,000 years ago that the one the world refers to as Jesus was among. The real spirit and the truth and preservation of the pure faith. Now, I'm going to read this definition. I want you to think about what this particular party or school represents and have you gotten caught up in this, which is really being caught up into a cult. I'm going to read it in, so you will hear the description of what they were like 2,000 years ago. And I'm here to tell you that these same ones of 2,000 years ago are again here today. It's up to you to get this wake-up call because the first resurrection is you understanding, hey, we really are the Israelites. And in part of that resurrection, remember, there were already Sadducees here. There were already Pharisees here before this this mass wake-up has been going on, that's going on now. This is before YouTube. This is before social media. Once social media and YouTube and all of that hit, understand these Sadducees and Pharisees and Essenes were already here. But now that this is hit and this is helping to spread this message out like wildfire, understand they were here before this resurrection. They helped to contribute to the resurrection, but they are, were already here. I'm going to read what they were like 2,000 years ago, and I want you to look into your mind and see if you are a part of any group that sounds like what I'm about to describe. Once I read it, I've changed some of the words so that I can reveal to you what this is describing after you hear the definitions of the descriptions of who this is describing. While it was the aim of Jesus to call men to the law of God itself as the supreme guide of life, 
this particular religious party or school upon the pretense of maintaining intact minuted, multiplied minute precepts and distinctions to such an extent that the whole life of the Israelite was hemmed in and burdened on every side by instructions so numerous and trifling that the law was almost, if not wholly, lost sight of. These traditions, as they were called, had long been gradually accumulated, accumulating. Of the trifling character of these regulations, innumerable instances are to be found. It was a leading aim of the Redeemer, meaning they're talking about Jesus, to teach men that true piety consisted not in forms, but in substance, not in outward observation, but in an inward spirit. The whole system of this particular religious party or school, piety led to exactly opposite conclusions. The whole system of this particular religious party or school's piety led to exactly opposite conclusions, meaning they led to opposite conclusions than what the Christ was trying to teach. The lowliness of piety was, according to the teaching of Jesus, an inseparable concomitant Concomitant, concomitant of its reality. But this particular religious school, religious party or school sought mainly to attract the attention and to excite the admiration of men. Indeed, the whole spirit of their religion was summed up, not in confession of sin and in humility, but in a proud self-righteousness at variance with any true conception of man's relation to either God or his fellow creatures. With all their pretenses to piety, they were in reality Arvaracious, avaricious, avaricious, sensual, and dissolute. They looked with contempt upon every nation but their own. Finally, instead of endeavoring to fulfill the great end of the dispensation whose truth they professed to teach and thus bringing men to the hope of Israel, they devoted their energies to making converts to their own narrow views who were 
all the zeal of proselytes who with all the zeal of proselytes were more exclusive and more bitterly opposed to the truth than they were themselves. This particular party or school at an early day secured the popular favor and thereby acquired considerable political influence. This influence was greatly increased by the extension of this particular party, religious party or school, over the whole land and the majority which they obtained in the Sanhedrin, obtained in the Sanhedrin. Their number reached more than 6,000 under the Herods. Many of them must have suffered death from political agitation. In the time of Christ, they were divided doctrinally, doctrinally into several schools. I just read a definition. I omitted this one particular word. I changed the word, the term Pharisees. Now I'm going to put what I've written here and copied here underneath this this, uh, recording. This is the definition of Pharisees. as defined in the Smith's Bible Dictionary. This is what they were like 2,000 years ago. Does this sound familiar? There are a lot of these Pharisees who are here presently. Now, this definition talks about Jewish people. It talks about the Talmud and all of those things. I intentionally omitted those things so I could focus in on the actual behavior of Pharisees so that when you hear this, you wouldn't be confused about, you know, whether this is talking about Jewish people or not in the religion of Judaism or what have you. But when you really hear this, when you read this and see this for yourself, and compare it to what you see going on out here today, it's clear who these Pharisees are today. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes were, or the Essenes were present 2,000 years ago, and they're present today. So those of you who may have been scorned or scarred or disenchanted, depressed, let down, abused, just understand, not everybody in this Hebrew faith that are Israelites, not everybody is like that. There's a home for you somewhere else, and it is of vast importance that you be able to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. 
it is very important that you be able to have fellowship in small groups. I know you don't, we don't want all the drama that goes on with some of the stuff that we hear out here. But I'm saying to you, there are those that are out here that have pure hearts that are not abusive, that are not Pharisees or Sadducees. They are not violent, volatile, self-righteous hypocrites. So as you are new to the faith or as you are seasoned in the faith, do not be discouraged. Just understand that this is the truth. This is the first resurrection of us beginning to know who we are again. And in that resurrection, some of us trying to wake up from this spiritual death, you got a whole lot of those who are still spiritually dead calling themselves teachers. They're not in the same pure spirit as those original keepers of the faith were during the time that the one the world has been referring to as Jesus actually walked this earth. I hope you hear me. I hope you got something out of this. And thank you for listening. Peace and blessing. Shalom, shalom.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.